don't you love short gospels? It's just like, get to the point, you know, instead of these big, long stories, and you're going on, and you're standing up, and you're like, okay, where am I going to sit down? And she's like, short and to the point, but sometimes packed with a lot of richness, theology, spirituality that we can really take from our life. So very short gospel. We don't know who the woman from the crowd is here, but this, this woman, she must be a Marian, why do I say that? Because she's honoring Mary. She, she must be a Marian. And she says, blessed is the womb that carried you and the breasts at which you nurse. And she's calling out. Can you imagine that? She's calling out from the crowd. So she wants everyone to hear it. And Jesus says, rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Okay, so she's a Marian. She's praising Mary. And yet, it seems like Jesus is not praising Mary. But, or is Jesus actually praising Mary? So what's, what's Jesus saying here? What's the woman saying here? So first of all, the woman is just on a natural level. And Jesus wants to bring her faith to a supernatural level. So on a natural level, this woman is saying, blessed is the womb that carried you and the breasts at which you nursed. And so we could say, yeah, blessed, but wait a minute, that's natural. So any woman could give birth. Any woman could breastfeed. Does that make her blessed? Any woman could give birth. Any woman could breastfeed. Does that make her blessed? Not really. Not really. So Jesus is going to bring it to a higher level. He's saying it's not just the natural act of giving birth or breastfeeding that will make a woman blessed, but rather, he said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. That is, blessed are those who have faith, hope, and love. Now, if we could apply this to the Blessed Virgin Mary. One wrong thing to think about the Blessed Virgin Mary, and this is a Protestant notion, is that God just kind of used the Blessed Virgin Mary. She was just there, but she wasn't really active in our salvation. That she was just, she was just the recipient of the word, and that was it, and she gave birth to Jesus, and all, the, all these nice things. You know, we don't hate her, but we don't really honor her as Catholics. Why do you Catholics honor the Blessed Virgin Mary? Why do you give her such credence? It's because the Blessed Virgin Mary had faith. Because when the angel Gabriel came to her, he told her how the Son of God would be incarnate in her womb. He explained it to her, but then he waited. He waited for her answer. Notice that God would never force his will upon us. God would never say, you know, I force you to do this. I force you to have faith. He, he, he will always respect our free will. God will tell us what his will is for us, but then he wants us to respond. And so when the angel Gabriel told Mary God's will for her, he kind of took a back seat and he waited. And maybe he was waiting with trembling and saying, uh-oh, where's she going to answer? Because the whole salvation of the world depends upon this. 15-year-old, imagine that. God puts the salvation of the world in the hands of a teenager. 
How many of you will put the salvation of the world in the hands of your teenager? Think about that. How much faith God had in the Blessed Virgin Mary. How much he had prepared her for that moment of the incarnation. And so God was waiting for, the, for Mary's word, for Mary's act of faith. And what did Mary say? Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to your word. Mary's act of faith. So Mary is the one who heard the word of God from the angel Gabriel, and she made an act of faith. And we know that because Elizabeth then says to her when she goes to Elizabeth, so Mary is also the evangelizer. She receives Jesus, and what does she do? She brings Jesus to others. You see that? So not only is she just, well, I'm just receiving Jesus. I'm just receiving Jesus. She receives Jesus, and then she's inspired to go out and bring Jesus to her cousin, Elizabeth. And Elizabeth says, blessed are you who believed that the words to you would be fulfilled. That's what she says. Blessed are you because you believed God's words to you would be fulfilled. And so Mary begins with that act of faith. And that act of faith leads to hope and leads to love, where she then brings Jesus to Elizabeth first. And then eventually she, brings, she gives birth to Jesus. She nourishes Jesus. But it's always her faith. And can you imagine after, you want to talk about a mama's boy? Jesus was a mama's boy. He lived with his mother for 30 years. Talk about that. So if you want to kick your son out, don't kick him. Maybe he's like Jesus. Maybe he wants to stay with you for the next 30 years of your life. Maybe you're trying to kick him out, and he's not ready for his mission yet. But can you imagine Mary's faith after 30 years of being nourished with Jesus, with the presence of Jesus? She's in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament for 30 years. We just have Eucharistic adoration 24 hours a day for, uh, for seven days. And it's awesome to be in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament for seven days. Imagine being in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament for 30 years every day. That's Mary. That's Mary's holiness. But she had such faith that she knew that Jesus wasn't all for her. And so at the end of 30 years, there was a letting go. She had to let go of Jesus. She had to give Jesus to the world. And even when Jesus worked his, his first miracle, that he did not work it except with the consent of Mary. Notice he works his first sign, which John calls the signs. He, John has seven signs in his gospel. That's a, that's a whole teacher. That's a whole catechetical teaching that I could give. And the first sign, the first miracle is done with, through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Because then Jesus, as he works that miracle, he talks about his hour. And he says to his mother, if you're going to let me go to the world, you're going to bring me to the hour of my passion. 
And Mary still consents. Do whatever he tells you, is what she says. She's so selfless, she always brings us to Jesus. Her faith is in Jesus, but yet she brings Jesus to us. She's selfless. It's like she doesn't want Jesus all for herself, but she wants to bring Jesus toward others. And so she, there's that letting go after 30 years. Imagine that sorrow that's there. And then she follows Jesus all the way for his three years. And she watches. She hears every one of Jesus' words. She probably even hears these words right here. And she not only hears his words, she meditates on them, and then she puts them into action. How do we know that Mary puts Jesus' words into action? Through the cross. Who's always beneath the cross? Mary. Who's there at the Passion? Mary is there. See that? The other 12 apostles, well, 11 apostles, ran away. And John at first ran away and then came back because John was a Marian. See, if you're a Marian, Mary, if you follow Mary, Mary will help you to be faithful, help you to go beneath the cross, help you to suffer with Jesus beneath the cross. And she's there, she's there faithful. She's giving her life with Jesus on the cross. She has faith in his resurrection. She has faith in the coming of the Holy Spirit. She nourishes the apostles, the early apostles, with that gift of faith. You know, she, she helps them. She helps them by her prayers and sacrifices. You know, that there, there is a, an oral tradition, and it has to do with this Mass or Lady of the Pillar, Nuestra Señora del Pilar which comes from Spain. And there's a tradition at uh, Our Lady of the Pillar that they have this pillar in Spain at Compostela, at the Shrine of Compostela. And the tradition is, is that St. James, that's where he went to evangelize. St. James the Greater, John's brother. He went to Spain to evangelize. And as he was evangelizing there, it's a tradition that the angels, Mary was still alive, and the angels transported Mary to Spain. And, Mary, and the Blessed Virgin Mary was encouraging St. James and the other apostles to keep preaching the gospel. But Mary had revealed to St. James that he was going to be martyred when he went back to Jerusalem. And so she was strengthening him with the faith. And then when Mary left, there was a pillar that appeared there of Mary's appearance. And that's where we get Nuestra Señora del Pilar, Our Lady of the Pillar. It still exists in Compostela, Spain, at the, at the Shrine of Compostela. So Mary was, you know, even that oral tradition, Mary was nourishing the faith of early believers. And isn't Mary doing the same thing? Isn't it ironic that, you know, whether this tradition is true or not, that she was appearing to an apostle? And what's Mary doing in modern times? One of the things about the church that's incredible is the Marian apparitions, which I, I think Father Chris has, has been given teachings, catechetical teaching on, on all the different Marian apparitions. The Mary is not 
leading, leaving her children astray. But God is sending forth the Blessed Mother, the Queen of Heaven from earth to exhort us to, 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 exhort us to come back to God, to nourish our faith with prayer, with the sacraments. And, you know, which apparitions are true, which are not, that's up to the church to decide. You can at least believe the ones that the church has approved that they said this is not contrary to faith or morals. You know, like Guadalupe is one, Nock is another one, uh, Fatima, Lourdes. You can believe in those. And what are her message? Pray, pray, have faith, especially in Fatima. And to pray, to have faith, because atheism was rampant at that time. And it's still rampant in this time. And just the lukewarmness of people's faith. You know, that, that, that we need a fire for our faith. And you can ask for it. You can always ask for an increase of faith. If you find your faith, you know, it's, it's wandering or, or you're doubting, or the secular world is getting in there, you can always ask for that increase of faith. I always say to people, if you lack a virtue, pray for the virtue that you need. You might say, well, how often should I pray for it? Beg for it. Beg for it. Beg God for it. Pray like you don't have it and just keep begging God for it. Be persistent. Be constant in your prayer. Don't let the one thing that the devil always wants to do is he always wants to sow a doubt in your mind. Did God really say that? Do you believe that you can really do that? You see all the doubt? Well, maybe not. No, I'm weak. I, I, see? And don't have a conversation with that voice because the devil is the father of lies. He's a master of lies. Not just a father, he's a master of lies. Master of deception. So devil will always begin with doubt. God will always begin with faith. That's why we need to ask the Holy Spirit, increase my faith. Increase my faith, oh Lord. Help me to have faith. What's the first exercise of faith that you can do? What's the first exercise of faith? It's something that we did at the beginning of Mass. First exercise of faith. You're going to be surprised at this. You know what the first exercise of faith that you can do? Repentance. Repentance is the first exercise of faith that you can do. It's not just reciting the creed and saying, I believe in God. It's repentance. It's Jesus' first word, John the Baptist's first word, the prophet's first word was always repent and believe in the good news. Notice that? Repentance is humility. Believing the good news is faith. So you need humility and faith that the fathers of the church say, this is the foundation of the spiritual life. Humility and faith. You can't go anywhere. None of the other virtues can grow without humility or faith. You need humility or, and faith. And so with that repentance, we have to repent every single day. It's not just, well, I'm a born-again Christian, and I repented 30 years ago, and that was it. No, it's not that. you got to be born again today because you can sin 
today. Today you can sin. It doesn't matter what you did 30 years ago. Today you can sin, or today you can make an act of faith. See that? And the, and the Old Testament, it says the just man sins seven times a day. And I always say, if the just man sins seven times a day, what about the unjust man? What about the unjust? If the just are sinning seven times a day, what about the unjust? So if you think about this, think about this logically, you know, do quantitative. If a just person is sinning seven times a day, let's just say you got seven sins, whether venial or mortal, you got seven sins. And then the next day, you sin seven times again. How many sins is that? Fourteen sins. If you sin a third day seven times, how many sins is that? Twenty-one sins. See how it accumulates? Fourth day, 28 sins. Fifth day, 35 sins. Sixth day, 42 sins. And by the end of a week, seven days, seven days, guess how many sins? 49 sins. And sometimes people say, why do I have to go to confession every week? Because you have 49 sins. If you're just, if you're unjust, you may have more than 49 sins. See that? So how many times do we need to repent? We need to repent all the time. If I could go to confession every day, I would go to confession every day because I sin every day. And I need God's mercy every day. And that's why never be distressed if you have to go to confession often. Never be distressed if you have to go to confession Often, If you have to, like, keep beating up that sin, keep beating it up with the precious blood of Jesus, keep beating it up, keep repenting of it, that's good. Because as you repent before God every day, you're going to repent before others every day also. That humility also, that humility before God also transforms to humility before each other. Now, good news is at the penitential rite that we did at the beginning. We should always pause at the penitential rite and give God our venial sins. Because, you know, at the penitential rite, our venial sins are forgiven if we give them to God. If you don't give them to God, they're not forgiven. If you give those venial sins to God, that's why the priest should always pause. You know why the priest is pausing? Because he's given his venial sins to God. <laughs> He's saying, oh, boy, I, I, you know, I lied. I, this person annoyed me. I judged this person. You know, whatever it may be. I was prideful, full of myself. And you could give your venial sins to God, and your venial sins would be forgiven. But mortal sins need to be confessed in the confessional. Mortal sins can only be, can only be forgiven in the confessional. So that's good news, that your venial sins can be forgiven. Now, can you bring up your venial sins in the confessional as you do in the penitentiary? Of course you can. Of course you can. It's always good to double repent. See, and that's good. When you do that, what happens then during your day as you're sinning, uh, I'm thinking about couples, husbands and wives, as you're sinning against one another, then you're, then you're able to forgive. Imagine during the day, if all you say is, honey, please forgive me, 
honey, I'm sorry. Honey, please, uh, you know, I should put tape over my mouth. Sorry what I said. Sorry how I acted. Sorry my attitude. I brought my attitude home from work. You know, someone was getting on my nerves. Someone cut me off in traffic. I'm taking it out on you. I don't need to do that. And think if you're just humble and just repenting all the time. Think how much your faith, and then you pray together. And you support one another and you encourage one another. And you're just repenting all day toward each other. Isn't that great? Wouldn't that nourish your marriage? Notice I'm, I'm not saying do this and do that because you're probably not going to do it because we're sinners. And it's just, I'm in the confessional a lot, so I hear a lot. And we're just, we're, we're sinners, we're broken. But if we can repent, if we can show mercy, and then also give thanksgiving to each other. See, thank you for, you know, saying there. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for that wonderful work. Thank you for that meal that you cooked. Gratitude. Always give gratitude. Give gratitude to God. God, thank you for this wonderful day. God, thank you for the leaves that are changing. Have you seen the leaves here? If you haven't, a lot of times we call them leaf peepers that come here. The leaf peepers. If you're out there and you're a leaf peeper, come because the leaves are starting to peep. And you can peep and see the wonderful, magnificent colors of God. Just nature is magnificent. There are so many wonderful things. The sacraments, Eucharist means thanksgiving. Always give gratitude to God. Always thank God. Say, thank you, God, for the gift of health. I was kind of sick this morning. And I just say, well, thank you, God, that you give me enough health to preach this homily. And that I'm not killing over. Thank you, God, for the gift of health. You know, you can thank God for anything. Having that spirit of gratitude, it lifts up our hearts because sometimes, I had a prophecy the other day at our charismatic prayer group, and the prophecy was this. Don't look at the bad news outside of you, but rather look at the good news within you. Don't look at the bad news outside of you, Look at the good news within you. Many times we're caught up with the bad news of the world. And there is bad news. It's out there. But we're not caught up with the good news that God has implanted in our hearts. That's what the gospel means, the good news. We're not nourishing and rejoicing over that good news. Rather, we're allowing the bad news that's out there to get our spirits down and to put us down. And Satan wants that. He doesn't, he doesn't want happy, joyful Christians. He wants us to be crabby and complaining and criticizing and just focused on all the bad that's out there. Yes, it's bad out there. And we need to pray for conversion. We need to pray the truth but we also need to rejoice in the good that God is doing within us. We need to rejoice at the good that God is doing within people's lives out there. Because there is good that's out there. There are people repenting. There are people that are displaying acts of humility and faith, incredible faith under persecution in many countries throughout the world. So there is good 
that's out there. Don't believe that all the news is bad. That there is good news as well as bad news that is out there. So believe that good news in your heart. Ask the Blessed Mother, the pillar of faith, to help you have that faith, that humility that she had in order to bring you to faith in Jesus Christ, faith in his incarnation, his passion, death, resurrection, ascension, coming of the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus said, to observe that faith in your life, to put it into practice, which we can only do by the grace of God, to pray for that gift, pray for that gift to put your faith into practice today. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.